It's Brett from Fire Up, and Steve Mascord needs to stop listening to bad 80s hair metal and play some punk rock for a change. Welcome to episode five of White Line Fever. Now, if you want to know about helicopters, you go to Darren Lockyer. If you want to know about terrorism, you go to Melbourne Storm supporters. And if you want to know about a rugby league program, which subsequently becomes a podcast, then you go to these fellas. It's uh, Stephen and Brett from Fire Up. Hello, guys. Good, good, good. It wasn't a program, was it, Brett? It was two minutes of just uh, a report on the weekend that became a lot more. Yes, it started as a two-minute segment. It's gone to an hour now, and nobody's noticed. That's and, how much attention they pay here at FBI. And like everything in rugby league, it started off with gambling, didn't it? It started off with a tipping competition. That's right, that's right. It did start with me writing reports for a, a tipping competition for the music industry, which tickled Stephen's fancy. <laughs> and then, of course, uh, Mark Gasnier really... Put the ice on the cake, didn't it? You know that was the real inspiration. Now Mark Gaz is retired. You're gonna have to come up with another name for the program. No, well we bought the rights to the words "fire up" from Gaz when he was at his lowest ebb. So we'll continue to use them and continue to prosecute those who use them without our permission. And unfortunately, it was called "fire up limited." Now it's gonna have to be called "fire up Australia." Yes. Now um, this is our grand final edition. Um, so what were your highlights of the year? Well, I knew we were in for a great year of rugby league when Anthony Watts picked up Todd Carney's car without his shirt on. I thought that was a fantastic omen for the year ahead, and and so it proved. It just got better from there. Uh, Todd, I, I think you know when Todd Carney sat down at the end of 2010, thought Dally M winner, grand finalist, made the Australian team. The lesson I need to take from this is to get back on the piss. I thought that that that's really set the tone for a great year. And really, when you think about it, the year started, it was New Year's Eve when Todd Carney set fire to someone's pants. That's right. (laughs) No, that was last year. Oh, sorry, that was last year. And and as one of my friends said, uh, Todd Carney's going to set the NRL on fire one arse at a time. (laughs) And of course, you know, our perspective is completely different. We were in the grand final together, St. George, Roosters, it could only go down. It always annoys me, you never say Illawarra. Can you say Illawarra 63 times (laughs) to make up for... We are now the St. George Illawarra team, you are correct there. And I just wish we would just wear one one jersey. But uh, it can only go downhill for us from there on in. And of course, ended up with uh, Tingler being dropped on the roof of the Illawarra Stadium, and uh, that's that. <laughs> that's a good gag. So the gag is that the, <laughs> the grandstand roof has collapsed, and as a farewell gesture, Wayne Bennett has got the owner... Flew in Tinkler on a great big helicopter and dropped straight after the last dinner, dropped him on the roof. <laughs> as anyone who listens to our show knows, we are... Uh, fattest. And so we are looking forward to the continued involvement of Tinkler and Crow in rugby league. Crow wasn't fat enough, hasn't he? And he loses weight every second year. Yeah, well, so we need a big man. Yeah. Any other highlights for the year? Did you find the, the Melbourne fans booing David Gull to be a highlight of the year? Or? Well, I thought that that was... Uh, uh, you know, they need to take responsibility uh, for the, for the uh, rats... Yeah. In the ranks. I don't believe David Gallup, uh, you know, bought Greg Inglis a boat last time I looked. And people talk about some of the currency of rugby league, the passion, but really delusion is one of the great, great qualities, the great currency of rugby league. There's so many deluded people. And of course, since that happened, the US State Department has actually compared terrorists to Melbourne Storm fans. So I think David was was right on the money there. I've got to say, Stephen, I I know you'll agree with me. One of the other highlights of the year was seeing Greg Inglis 
aimlessly wandering around talking to seagulls for most of the year oh, yes, in a yes. South Sydney jumper. Yes. And, and I, I'm predicting that South uh, in March will be absolutely dead certain to win a premiership yet again. <laughs> I think they're the greatest March premiers in the history of rugby league. And that prestige vehicle will be drawn out again, shown a bit of sunlight, a little bit of rain, back it goes, and that'll be it for South Sydney. Now, the real reason I'm here is because uh, we play music on this program, so on one hand, we've got a DJ who can actually introduce a song. On the other hand, we've got a solicitor who can give us permission to use it. Um, so, <laughs> so we'll start with, I don't know who we do. For, okay, um, you can, you, uh, Stephen Ferris, yeah. you can int- pick a song, yes. and then Brett Oden, you can give us permission to use it. Look, look, this song has been on the playlist, the A-list of FBI since, uh, since day one, 2003. Junior Brown, he's exactly what exemplifies FBI radio, uh, all fired up. And, of course, uh, you know, Brett, do, do we have permission to play this? Uh on the basis that we are the sole reason that Junior Brown has earned any money in Australia uh, for the last seven years, uh, I believe that gives us the right to grant permission because his $7.50 APRA checks uh, are totally due to our efforts. Emotional effort. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for coming on the program, guys. Thank you, sir. It ain't no good getting low down when you're looking to get thrown in a can. Like driving 90 mile an hour, getting speeding tickets from the man. I'm just mad about this girl But she's gone and I'm mad at the world I just laid a patch of rubber down the road About a quarter mile long Because I'm all fired up I'm all fired up and lonesome I got a chip on my shoulder I'm acting just a little too tough I've been revving up the motor And tonight I'm gonna strut my stuff yeah, I've been roaring like a lion And I'm tired of all this crying And I'm tired of being kicked around like a little hook butt Because I'm all fired up, I'm all fired up and lonesome I'm fired up and lonesome and I'm on the street That woman ain't gonna get the best of me If you're gonna hang around then I'm gonna warn you No place to go But I know a thing or two About riding down a long lonesome road well, I'm just doing the best I can And I'm trying to take my legging like a man But I'm tired of always feeling like I'm gonna be her sitting duck I'm getting all fired up I'm all fired up and lonesome Get that woman off my mind I'm just mad as I can be And 
I'm mad at what she done to me I'll burn a hole in my pocket with a roll of my last two bucks Because I'm all fired up, I'm all fired up and lonesome Yeah, I'm getting all fired up and lonesome Feeling my wild oats Gonna take me a little sightseeing trip Hey, what's up? This is Scott Ian This is Rob Caggiano of Anthrax listening to White Line Fever. Welcome back to White Line Fever. That's the first and last time we're going to be having on the program. That was uh, requested by the Fire Up guys. Friday night at the Sydney Football Stadium. First preliminary final and it was 26-14 Manly over Brisbane. I'm here with Steve Ricketts from the Courier Mail. And uh, Steve, what did you think of the game? I suppose the big thing we're going to be talking about all week, a couple of Manly players on report. Um, and by the time some people hear this, they might know the outcome. But uh, Tony Williams... And also uh, Steve Maddow, that was, uh, that, that was I suppose, uh, the one negative for, for Manly tonight. I believe they both should be charged. I, I think it's a certainty they will be. And I think it's just a certain that Manly will fight both charges, of course, and there'll be a siege mentality at, uh, at Brookvale as usual. <laughs> what do you think of the game? It's been a game showing by the, uh, by the Broncos this year, hasn't it? Oh, I thought the Broncos are sensational, especially their media manager. <laughs> and that was their media manager. But, yeah, the Broncos have uh, probably overachieved. They probably will say that in the off-season. They haven't up until now because they gave themselves a, a fair income chance of winning the title. But they've got a great crop of young kids. I, I think the big question mark for next year who, is who will wear the number six jumper. Corey Norman significantly travelled with Brisbane to this game to soak up the experience and I still think he's probably the favourite. Thanks, Steve. We'll uh, leave it there. Um, now, in, in about two weeks' time, I'm going to Mexico. I'm going to Sammy Hagar's birthday bash. And a band I saw last time I went was a band called Silvertide. And here's a song by them. It's called um, Fox... What's it called? Fox Old Jesus Christ. It's an anti-war song. Thanks, Steve. All right. Thanks, Steve. <laughs> Be a hero with 
Next guest was quite offended a couple of weeks ago when we slagged off the AFL because he happens to follow the game. It's uh, Tommy Poist from the Casanovas. How are you, Tommy? I'm great, thank you, Steve. <laughs> Thanks for coming on the program. Now, who do you, who do you follow? Uh, well, I follow the Saints, but um, with a with a sort of probably waning degree of loyalty lately, just because of the fact that um, just looking at the whole way it works and the whole thing with just being a big business and. Um, I'm a little bit disillusioned, probably because of the fact that we've lost like three grand finals and stuff. But um, but yeah, it's just that whole kind of business thing and the whole 
league going the way of like the Premier League kind of thing in terms of people just chopping and changing clubs depending on money and stuff. It just means that I'm kind of not as into it as I used to be. But yeah, is that still love watching the game? Yeah, is that all professional sports you're disillusioned with, or just the AFL? Oh no, more so the AFL. I think because I think just because I I personally can't really see the players having and and or and or coaches and stuff having any real loyalty to the club itself. I mean, they have loyalty to them to each other, I think, you know, they're, as in teammates and so on. But, um, I mean, there's the way Ross Lyon kind of upped and outed to, to Freo and stuff, and um, it just makes you kind of think, well, what's the point in, in being loyal to a club if they're not actually loyal to the club, you know? Mm. It's sort of just this kind of, it's like an illusion, you know? Are the Storm a chance of recruiting you then? The Storm? Oh, man, I'd have to... Every time I turn it on, I kind of... I kind of flick it off, you know. I just—it's not because it's—I I find anything offensive about. It. I just don't really get it, you know. So it's just that kind of um, thing, I guess. I'm just into AFL because I grew up with that, you know. Yeah. Okay, let's move on to music. The big question is: there's a lot of questions, but where have you been for the last couple of years? Uh well, we've we've been. Um, I don't know what have we been doing. I've demos, you know, demo jobs work full time now and stuff, and. Um, I've had a bit of a health issue. I've had a bit of chronic fatigue over the last couple of years, so that's kind of helped me back a bit. And um, fortunately, I'm sort of getting better from that, which is really good. So I'm just concentrating on writing this record. And you know, once we get that done, we'll probably tour again and go back overseas and stuff. They don't really know the cause of chronic fatigue syndrome, do they? Or, or is there a cause? Um, well, for me, there was definitely a there was a definite thing like there's a genetic hemochromatosis thing, which is an iron overload, which I got really hit with pretty hard. My iron was just way too high, and so lost all this weight and kind of was just feeling like death. And eventually, after giving a whole lot of blood, um, I felt a lot better. So I'm definitely on the upside of it, you know, coming out of it and stuff. And things were going pretty well for you before that, weren't they? You got some good supports and and getting yeah, plenty yeah. of airplay and publicity. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah, yes and no. Um, we we had um, to to get good Triple J airplay in in the country is like a real kind of crucial thing to tour um and so i think um going back it's quite a while now they sort of stopped really playing this stuff a lot so kind of makes it really really hard to tour anything other than just the main cities you know and even then you you're sort of struggling like without any really decent kind of radio support so i mean we just put a single out pretty recently and um I'm not sure if that got played much or whatever, but um, then again, pe- singles are kind of not really the kind of thing that people pay much attention to these days. You've got to really put out a long player. So hopefully with the record coming out, we'll, we'll get some more radio, and which will enable us to kind of tour more extensively. We'll get you to introduce a song off one of the first two records shortly, but the first record, you were kind of doing the Airborne thing before there was Airborne, weren't you? Like, really? Like, that sort of straight-ahead rock thing. And it got, I flicked on cable TV in America. You know, they've got the radio stations. Yeah. At the end of the channels, and you know they were playing playing one of the songs off the first record. Second one seemed, correct me if I'm wrong, seemed a bit more cheap trick influenced. Do you know what I mean? You know what 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 do you think that was there a deliberate decision to change direction slightly? Not really. I just think that like um, when you're starting a band and you got, I guess we that was like when we started it was 1999, and um, obviously um, you know I loved bands like ACDC and Kiss and so on and. Um, and when you first do your first kind of stuff, it's like you kind of to exorcise that demon. You just sort of, you do kind of, 
to to create your own style you sort of you do copy a little bit to start with i reckon and it's just a natural thing and so so yeah we definitely had some you know pretty acdc-esque kind of moments in the beginning and um but yeah it was kind of a matter of doing that and like yeah cool that's cool but we're never really going to match acdc with our own game so you move on and try and do more of your own thing you know so and that's the way i reckon it, it it's just kind of a natural progression you know We'll um, we'll come back um, after this song. But do you want to introduce an older song, and then we'll sure. try and get you to give us a newer song after that? But uh, uh, introduce one. Yeah, oh, I guess we'll um, hit you up with "Shake It." It's always been a perennial favourite, I think, off the old record. Okay, we're back. Thanks for that. That was Shake It by the Casanovas. I've got Tommy Boy from Casanovas here. Um, Tommy, um, now, newer stuff. What have you been working on? And you got, I've got to ask you about this song, The Most Hated Man in Melbourne. Yeah. <laughs> um, you're going to get asked about it a lot, I'm sure. Um, what's the story behind it? What can you tell us? 
Uh, well, well, it's you know, there's only a certain amount I can kind of reveal because I certainly can't reveal who it's about. I don't want to be you know in trouble legally or anything. But someone that you know used to work for us and um, who we sort of had a falling out with and money, you know, disagreements over and stuff like that. So that was um, that was a really difficult time. And in actual fact, when you ask me what what we've been doing lately, I can attribute the inactivity of the band and the sort of real hiatus in what we did a lot to that whole experience. So kind of went from just making music and, and stuff to being going to like, you know, you know, worrying about money and, and all the damage and stuff and going to VCAT and that kind of thing. So yeah, it was a pain in the ass, but, um, you know, now we can sort of fortunately kind of look back on it and, um, have a bit of a laugh and not sort of, you know, worry about it because it's all history now. So, yeah. When you're writing a song out of kind of anger, does it come out more quickly? Is it different than writing a song motivated by something else? Like, was it was it written in five minutes or? Um, in actual fact, yeah, that song definitely was written really, really quickly. I, um, I think we were just sitting around and we kind of brought it up as a as a potential, you know, song subject matter, and and then um, pretty much within. Um, five minutes I pretty much had the song kind of down you know so yeah and um sometimes the best the best moments come that way like because there's not too much deliberation and that's just a pretty simple kind of song and it's really direct you know and then after it's written do you have to go and get legal advice as to whether you can record it or release it oh no I was pretty sure that what we hadn't said if you're not naming anybody you know then then it's you're pretty safe and and then um you know, our record label boss is also one of the top mate, uh, record uh, music lawyers in, in town and in the country. So um, uh, he was pretty, you know, able to advise us on that. And also, if anything was to happen, the the uh, would be directed at him as being the record company boss, you know, putting the record out rather than us. So if he wasn't comfortable with it, we'd have a problem, but he was fine, so it's okay, okay yeah. And um, any reaction from the subject yet? Uh, funny, I have actually had a few um, second-hand reports of, of um, you know, sort of him being upset and all this sort of stuff. But, um, you know, I'm not sort of... I'm, I'm honestly kind of just past all that now. And I don't really care. And, like, it's... To me, that's just, well, you know, big deal. It's... It, all I really care about is the song now, you know. Okay, before we play the aforementioned song, can you tell us a bit about how the writing's going for the new record, who's going to release it, when it's going to be out, that's yeah. sort of what the uh, subject matter of the other songs are, What this, maybe a bit about what it sounds like, if you could describe what it might sound like. Um, well, yeah, it's it's going to be pretty varied, I think, and, and um, like I I kind of, I've been writing quite a lot of my own for this one, and um, I just demo, like, I've got this little application on my iPhone, which has just got a little multi-track thing, and I've always had Pro Tools and stuff on the computer and stuff, but I've, I find that this this method's been really, really good because it's just so low hassle. So I'll just like play a riff into the iPhone and then play some drums into it and then you know record some vocals and a bit of bass or something, and you've got a song idea and you know without having to just fuck around too much, you know. So that's been really good. Song ma- material-wise, a lot of it's sort of personal stuff, and style-wise. Um, uh, like it's probably more like it's still going to be a really straight ahead rock and roll record but but it's more melodic and I definitely don't mean in an emo kind of way but more more in a kind of 
I guess if I was to draw any kind of comparison, like cheap, tricky kind of um, dictators, sort of melodic kind of sense, you know, like, so there's a bit more of that kind of punky kind of thing in there that, um, I don't know, I've, I've, I've always really, really loved hard rock, obviously, and but I also really love great um, pop music, as in kind of power pop, like I love bands like, um, not that this is an influence at all, but but the other end of my taste is like, you know, Teenage Fan Club and Big Star and, you know, those kind of bands. So um, if I was to somehow able to fuse my love of that stuff with, with my rock and roll kind of thing, is, and then that's that's a great thing, you know, because you're kind of more creating your own, own kind of thing. Well, thanks for being with us, Tommy. And here it is, uh, the most hated man in Melbourne. Cool. Absolute pleasure, Steve. Thank you. Whiteline Fever. Chris Hyington and Jack Reed were chosen by England this week. A bit controversial. Gary Schofield wasn't very happy about it. There's only, to my knowledge, one other Australian who's represented Great Britain or England, and he's here with me, Tolson Todd. How are you, Tolson? Fantastic, Steve. Gary Schofield doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> really? Okay, that's, uh, there we go. Um, now, people will be curious about what sort of reception these two fellows are going to get uh, from their teammates, having broad Australian accents. Uh, what can they expect? I don't think they're going to... Uh 
yeah, cop too much. I think actually it will work quite well because I, I think the, the talent that they've got that they bring to the team is going to sort of stand them in good stead. Uh, the supporters might be a bit annoyed about it, but at the end of the day, if they get a team that wins, it doesn't really matter. And I think Jack Reeve was uh, was was two when he came over here. His father's obviously from Castleford, so he's a, a proud Yorkshire man. So obviously he would want to see his son play for England. Chris Hyington, in my opinion, should have played State of Origin at some st- some stage in the past few years when he was at the West Tigers, but it hasn't been. And he's taken an opportunity to to play for England. And at the end of it. Sport is about making money, isn't it? And uh, he's going to make money from, from playing for England, whether he's from Australia or whether he's from England. Telson, here in uh, Sydney, there's lots of ex-players working in the media, but you're a bit of a curiosity because most people don't even know you're an ex-player. <laughs> yes, I'm actually caught me rhyming slang for Waller, don't I, Steve? Yeah, Tolson, right. Tollett, yeah. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, no, I've been back um, in the country now for uh, 14 months. Uh, July 2010, we moved back from, from Ireland with uh, the wife and family. And, um, yeah, things are going well. Working at the ABC and News 24 and News Radio and enjoying my time and not doing a great deal on rugby league, but uh, plenty on other sports. Now, do you still go out and hear people say, I've lost my Tolson? Funny story, actually. I've actually been out with a friend of mine and, um, and his mate actually said, I've lost my Tolson. And he actually said, do you know who this guy is? Um, so, yeah, I've had a, a couple of interesting, interesting times and, and, and being over in England, it seemed to, to do the rounds over there. But... Um, I can't say it's happened to me a great deal of late, but uh, something I'm trying to stay away from, Steve. <laughs> now, your former club, uh, well, they were London Broncos when you were there, and they're going to change their name to something next year. You got any idea what it is? I've absolutely no idea. I think they'll probably just take the safe option and move back to London Broncos. I'm tipping that will be the case. But, um, yeah, I, I, I'm not too sure if it's a, a good move. I think the Harlequins brand is actually something which, um, if they'd have stuck with it over the period of time, is it, going to, you know, would be better for them because people obviously know about Harlequins Rugby Union, which is the most famous rugby union brand in the world. So I think the, um, the similarities there with the rugby league side would have really worked in their favour. But for uh, reasons unbeknownst to you and me, they've decided to change their name. And when you're at London Broncos, and that's when you did play for Great Britain on that 1996 tour, we'll go in a second, but what are your recollections of that 1996 tour? Because some players were sent home early, weren't they, to save money? Yeah, it was uh, funny, and I was actually one of those players. <laughs> um, coming back, but you came back I, to I, us. I, I did. Just get back to you, my recollections of the tour. The um, the funniest thing would have been seeing um, James Lowe's, who was uh, who was the uh, sort of the second or third place hooker on the tour, and end up actually going on to, to represent Great Britain on a number of occasions after that. But he didn't quite enjoy himself on that tour. I have to say, he enjoyed going out a fair bit, but but besides that, he didn't enjoy himself. And the, the biggest thing I probably remember is is Papua New Guinea. The heat was horrific. Um, it was, you know, it was very humid, very, um, very hot, and we, and we had a, a bad stopover on our way to um, on our way to Fiji there at one point as well. So we had a, a couple of interesting things that happened to us. But yeah, I got sent back um, just after, or just before the second test match, and then got called back over there for the third test match after I'd been back uh, here in Sydney for a couple of weeks and, and going out and catching up with friends and having a couple of lemonades. So it was an interesting time. <laughs> Now, we like having people from Penrith on the program because they're not into Ashes jazz. They don't request Justin Bieber. Um, we had uh, Peter Wallace on a couple of weeks ago. Um, so you get to play a song, and um, have, I know you haven't thought about this. I'll catch you unawares here, but uh, what do you want to play? Living away from home, and, um, you know, I was into sort of, I'd listen to you know, Cold Chisel, you'd have your ACDCs, and people would go, what on earth is this man talking to, especially with Cold Chisel? But-
Johnny Tippy from Shehide and the Anhalt, and you are with Steve on White Line Fever. You know, Simon Mannering here, the captain of the Warriors, and um, judging on the fact I saw you at a Shehide show, um, you're not going to be you're not going to be disappointed to miss Kelly Clarkson in the pre-match entertainment on Sunday. Is uh, she playing a she? Yeah, she. It'll be nice to see she out there, actually. Um, <laughs> no, it's Kelly Clarkson. Oh, is it already booked, is it? Yeah, yeah. Oh. They, they got offered Alice Cooper and they turned him down. Oh, did they? Oh. Yeah, obviously uh, some different people in, uh, in the position to um, <laughs> make the choice there, but yeah, hopefully get a win. And, yeah, um, mate, I don't think you'll be, you'll be, won't be too worried about the uh, pre-match entertainment, will you? No, I probably won't even see it, to be honest. What are you expecting from the week, mate? Um, I'm not too sure. First time, first time, so... Um, yeah, I think it'll be pretty special and definitely save at the moment. And um, no, it'll make it that much more sweeter if we can uh, go all the way on Sunday. How much attention do you think every TV set in the country will be on on the grand final, won't it, next Sunday? Back home in New Zealand, yeah. I hope so. Yeah, I'm sure we'll get a lot of support. And um, you know, obviously there's a big occasion on back home, but um, you know, Kiwis get behind any New Zealand side, and I'm sure uh, we we'll have a lot of supporters back home. This is uh, the best the difference, but this program and others is you get to play a song you want to pick a song, any song any song, I'll go uh, Shoot to Thrill by ACDC <laughs> the band in the world most likely to sue me okay.